All right, welcome back to another episode of Feel Good Finance. This is Monday evening, the 26th, and Joey's back. I have returned. Hope everyone uh, made it through last week all right without me. Yeah, we, uh, we, we subbed you out for Patrick. He was a good time. We got positive reports on him. Uh, he, he was kind of a little sad he didn't get to meet you. He was like, yeah, I thought, I thought there was going to be two people on here, but I only got you. And, you know, I wasn't offended or anything. It, was, it, it only hurt my feelings <laughs> just a little bit. But So we're going to have to have him back on. I was going to say, sounds like we'll have to do another episode one time and, uh, and do all three of us then. Absolutely. Well, I was thinking about other guests we could do. We'll, we'll brainstorm on that either, uh, probably tomorrow or the next day. But the first thing I want to talk about is because we do this probably once an episode is the space report. I, we like talking about space here, space, the final frontier. Maybe we'll see. Time travel would be even cooler. But Morgan Stanley released their official space economy report, something or other. And I'm going to include it in the show notes. But basically, it was I think it's like the first of its kind where one of the big brokerage houses said, look, here's our official report on the economics of space in the next 10 years. Hmm. Well, what did what did that report include? Because I do remember uh, whether it was the last episode we did or the episode before we did discuss about how people were buying up space stocks now almost uh, and how we didn't really see how how there was any demand or, or how, you know, financially profitable that would be. So it's really good you say that because this that, this is why this is important is because they basically laid out 10 drivers that they saw that would actually make money. And I can't recite them off the top of my head, but it was like providing satellite internet, satellite launches, stuff like that. Space tourism was a smaller part of it because that's that's the only thing we really came up with. But that, I mean, you know, we don't we don't claim to be geniuses over here or even smart for that matter. But beside the point, it, it was like the first official time someone's laid out, okay, here's all the ways that companies could actually make money in space. So if you're interested in that, I would definitely give that one a look. Uh, and they, they have been posting articles since that released probably a week or so ago. And I, I hope they keep updating it. Yeah, definitely. And off the cuff, just thinking right now, I mean, aside from space tourism, which is definitely could become a market one day whenever it becomes financially, uh, you know, um, possible for the average man or average woman. Yeah, less but ridiculous. Also, <laughs> if, yeah, if, but if the moon or Mars maybe contained resources that you couldn't find here on Earth, yep. if somehow that became economically profitable, then I could see that playing a role into it as well. Yeah. Maybe some type of mining stocks or any, uh, maybe one day whenever we all move from oil and natural gases uh, over to a fully electric, um, you know, that'll happen sooner or later, who knows, but maybe all those mining and gas companies set up on the moon. <laughs> it's You hit the nail on the head. That's actually one of the drivers they said was that the mining from asteroids and other planets is going to have resources that are rare here on Earth. And so, well, you mentioned the electric thing. So that's the next segment we're going to do because there's a lot of stuff that happened this past week there. But the first thing was, so what if we find like a massive amount of gold and a whole bunch of asteroids? Is gold just now worth nothing? Scarcity has gone. I would, I would imagine, you know, gold turns into nothing and all of a sudden moon rocks, what everyone wants their hands on. <laughs> See, you know, people are walking around with chains made of moonstone. Oh my gosh, I would love that. What if we could like, you, I mean, just imagine the things we could do if we had access to all the metals that are currently so expensive here on earth. And I mean, We'll see, we're seeing that now because we got the car shortage. Like they can't build the microchips because they don't have the metals, the materials, anything like that. Asteroid mining pretty much fixes that problem because space for us, as far as we know, is infinite. I mean, just mm -hmm. catch asteroids and be like, what the heck's in this one? Crack it open, see what it is. Ah, diamonds, sweet. Well, I mean, <laughs> how awesome would it be? That would get rid of the whole blood diamond industry too because that scarcity is gone. I guess no big deal. You just 
grab an asteroid, check out whatever's in it. Oh, boom, more diamonds. So I think it's a good thing for everyone, really. Yeah, I agree. And, uh, you know, if it did help those type of resources become more affordable to the common human, you know, I mean, I, I don't see how that could hurt more people being able to afford um, luxuries like that. Yeah, and this is a good thing for us too because now wedding rings will be less expensive. Boom. That's exactly where my <laughs> yeah. head was at. <laughs> you're in more you're in more danger of that than I am. Who knows if I'll ever get married at this point? <laughs> yep. And and I know my significant other does not want a blood diamond. She's made it painfully clear. She, good, good I for her. I support sure. her in that. I don't yep. you know, I, I don't support where your wallet's gonna be in a few years, but <laughs> <laughs> it's gonna you be better hurting. start saving up now. Oh my god. Uh, better I start said, saving up five uh, years ago. Yeah, I, I don't know when the saving will start for that, but it'll still be a couple <laughs> years off. Hopefully, we'll uh, be mining asteroids by the time I get around to it. <laughs> well, I don't, I don't know when you mentioned it. I totally slipped my mind, but you said something about electric, so we're going to lead into that. So this is, mm -hmm. this is very good timing because literally as soon as I pulled into my complex today, I got the alert that Tesla posted their earnings, and their quarterly earnings was a profit of $1.1 billion. That's awesome. <laughs> That's incredible considering where they were um, not even under 10 years, under 10 years ago, they weren't even seeing profit. So mm -hmm. to go from losing money on a yearly basis to a profit of a billion dollars is, uh, I mean, maybe even unheard of they had over their first, like an eight year span. Yeah, they had their first quarterly profit two years ago. <laughs> That's like a 15 it, yeah. year company. <laughs> mm -hmm. well, so this, I mean, even Amazon didn't grow that fast and that's... Uh, we all know the juggernaut they are. Oh my God, yeah, they own everything. Them, Disney, and Apple. But so the fun, this made me happy for a very selfish reason because I was like, this is the biggest in your face for every person I've had the argument with over the past five years. They're like, electric cars are 30 years out. And I'm like, they're not. You you don't know what you're talking about. They're, they're, they're going, there's going to be one massive market event and it's going to turn the tables. And you know what happened? Electric car growth, sales growth. This is not sales overall. This is sales growth outpaced normal auto sales for the first time ever uh, this past quarter as well. And it was a big factor because Elon pretty much figured out a way, and Tesla is you know, obviously the biggest part of that. But what he did is he pretty much said, as soon as the chips got expensive, he said, look, we're not gonna pay these absurd prices. We're gonna go find people who are doing this a different way and we're gonna invest in them. And that's how he did it, which is awesome. That's genius, I mean, the guy, people make fun of him because of his quirky, you know, appearances and, and his podcasting and, and what he says. But I mean, the guy truly is one of a kind and a genius and you can make fun of him all you want. But uh, but he is he is one of the greatest minds of our era and he is driving us hand over fist into the era of electric vehicles. And I mean, we're, we're here. It's happening right now. And they will. I mean, I venture to say by 2030, there, there will be vastly more electric vehicles vehicles and gas powered vehicles on the roads yeah no it's definitely the trend we're going towards on the topic of him being quirky i was cracking up because i saw on twitter as i was over the weekend somebody was like i just missed four elon memes in a row that he fired off he's like my life is over and it, he was just firing them off and they were so goofy but i was like this dude's wild he's running a company during he's running like five companies during the day he's going to space he's doing all these things and in the meantime he's literally just making memes like the rest of us yeah <laughs> just, He's just living his life and he doesn't care what people think about him. I mean, it's it's something to be admired whenever you can, you know, be successful and, and not really care what other people have to say about you. God, yeah, absolutely. So you said uh, you're pretty sure that, you know, we're going to have more electric vehicles. Everyone's going to hop on the train. And I agree. And so 
the past few years, a couple of the bigger German companies have been like, no, we're always going to have a V8 engine. We're always going to have. And so, you know, always and never are such dangerous words because mm -hmm. basically the Europeans all came together and was like, I, I don't remember which of the councils it was. One of those economic or environmental councils was like, yeah, so you guys have until 2030 <laughs> to kill it. So mm -hmm. Mercedes finally cracked. They just released, there was a whole big report this guy did in the Wall Street Journal about the new, it's like the ESQ 540 or something. It's, it's like the brand new flagship electric Mercedes to replace the S-Class that they have. And it was so, un, like the power numbers were so underwhelming. It was ridiculous. They're going to have to figure something out here. And I know uh, Audi as well. Aren't they also coming out with electric vehicles now? Yeah, they, and, uh, they got the e-tron. I, I just think... Yeah, I think I think the price points, I don't know the exact numbers, but they are so far above what Tesla is uh, selling their cars for. They're going to have to find a way to not only match the, uh, you know, the capabilities of the Tesla, but they're also going to have to find a way to match the uh, the price point. Exactly. They're offering on like competition against basically Bentley. But so this new Mercedes is coming out the top of the line. I thought I was reading it wrong. I read it three times because so the top of the line has a zero to 60 of like four point one second something like that i was like that's terrible that's that's the same as like a mustang it's not impressive at all <laughs> and they weigh almost six thousand pounds it's ridiculous it's a massive oh, car yeah but you're saying i thinking what sorry mm -hmm. go ahead i was just gonna say and i'm sure the miles they're getting per full charge is nowhere near what tesla's at right now either it was pretty high it was close to 500 uh -huh. which is not wait that's that's higher than anyone else i said i said well on the other hand, Lucid Motors just went public, and so we're going to talk about that when we do our segments because it's it's like a perfect setup for this kind of thing. But they, oh man, their flagship car is awesome. They call it like the Lucid Air. It's got over a thousand horsepower, can go like four hundred and fifty miles on a charge, and it's simple. Like it's not it's not overdone, it's not underdone. I like it a lot. But so they went public on the Nasdaq and. They have, I think, literally six months to do something because I don't think they have a single car like on the road yet. But if they don't do something in six months, they're just so screwed. Who's uh, who's backing Lucid Motors? Do you know? Is there a big name behind it, like like Elon Musk per se, or is it um, is it a new company um, that popped up? I actually need to look into that. I don't know now that they're on the public markets. So whenever they rang the bell and they did the whole thing with the NASDAQ, the guy did have a British accent. So that's a good question. I don't know if it's a British company. They were in New York announcing it and all over the all over the US, but I will have to look into that. I'll have to be a good host and uh, throw those in the throw that in the comments and all. But so now we've got Nicholas Public, even though they're they've got their own issues. Lordstown Motors again issues. Lucid no issues yet, but high potential. And Tesla, which has already had their issues, so the industry's getting there. Yeah, it certainly is, and I mean. The, I just think the next step is some of these companies like Nikola and like Lucid Motors now are going to have to find a way to get their product to the market sooner rather than later. Because I know I, I held some positions in Nikola probably a year ago about now. And, uh, and you know, I got out of it just because we're, I don't see anything on the road and, and no profits. And it's all pre-orders and promises right now. Right. They took that big old pivot where they basically said, all right, well, we had a we had the Badger that was coming out, their little uh, little pickup truck. And they said, well, mm -hmm. so uh, we actually lied about a whole bunch of stuff. So we're going to pivot to doing semis only and trying to set up a supercharger network or something like that. And they had progress, but who knows? Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I mean, I, I guess that could be a valid path forward because 
these companies are striving to get to their carbon footprints to zero as fast as possible as the green initiative continues to expand and the government's definitely going to keep purchasing electric vehicles to try and move, you know, whether it's the postal network towards an all electric network or, or you'll see private companies like UPS and FedEx purchasing up electric vehicles, trying to move their ground networks to electric. So, I mean, there's definitely a need to have semis in that space, just whether or not they can get the technology there. I'd argue it's even more. I mean, those trucks are massively expensive and companies companies put money into it. Like you have to get stuff from point A to point B. Like I work in the industrial space. It's one of the biggest drivers is how, how close are you to the highway? How can we cut down how far our trucks have to go to get to their destination? It's like one of the biggest factors of all time that all these distribution companies have to grapple with. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then whenever you're talking about distribution companies moving to electric, then you got to think about because in that space, time is money. So yep. these, and I know Tesla's charge in 10 minutes, you can get in 150 miles and go, but it, are you going to have the power to charge up a, a semi like that and be it's able to, to get it to go? <laughs> it's a big old truck. Yeah. You have to wonder how many batteries those things have to have to move. Cause I know like the, the top of the line electric vehicles you see on the road, like the best ones will have two of the love, one for the front wheels, one for the back wheels. Some always have like 16 wheels. How many batteries is that? (laughs) (laughs) Are you going to be holding around eight batteries? (laughs) God, and what if one goes wrong? Because if one goes wrong, I think they all blow up. And then, ooh, that's a big problem. But we're in the process of doing that. So, uh, all right, another moment. We're going to have a whole segment just called like John's a bad host because I just thought of something that I don't have the research on that I have to go find where there's a company that is solving the whole storage problem and they're, they're using like iron pellets to do it and something about the transfer of energy. And I, I'm going to, I'm going to tag it in the show notes. I promise I'll find it, but it was like the simplest solution and some company found it. And it was the biggest moment of like, everyone's worried. Humans are problem solvers. We'll figure it out. What is this company doing? You said they were using iron pellets to solve storage solutions. Yeah. I mean, the biggest problem with electric energy and why we prefer gasoline energy is, or energy from burning gasoline is that we can't hardly store the electric energy. So mm-hmm. a good friend that we both know was talking to me about this uh, is a few years ago. So he went to Clemson uh, School of Architecture, blah, blah, blah. It doesn't really matter. He's irrelevant. But point being, uh, a few years ago, Duke Energy, which is a massive company that provides energy, came to Clemson and said, hey, we have, uh, we have two solutions for you because you guys need to generate more power, right? You need to, you can either build a natural gas facility. Uh, it's going to take up this little piece of space and it's gonna produce this much power or you can put in all these solar fields. They're gonna take up about 10 times as much space and be five times more expensive just to generate a little bit less than what we can with the smaller thing. Take a guess at which one they went with. I would guess the the smaller, more cost-effective one. Ding, 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 you win. That is exactly right. Why wouldn't you? It's not worth the cost at that point to do all those things, but we're getting there. Yep, all right, yeah, I see what you mean now. If, why would you pay money, pay a significant amount, a much more significant amount of money to take up 10 times the real estate to generate a tenth of the electricity and the power? Yep, it's hardly worth justifying. But we can yeah. move on. We've been doing electric cars for a while. So the inflation expectations have fallen. There, this was a big article in the Wall Street Journal. They said they were like, I hate how they do this stupid clickbait thing. Like even the professional industries do it. And it really kind of get, it grinds my gears, man. So they're like this big old factor that was causing inflation to go up 
has fallen and you're like, oh, what could it be? Bond yields, blah, 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 blah. It could be interest rates, anything of those things. I'm trying to be smart and figure it out. And I click it and it just says expectations. <laughs> it's just like the average person's expectation of this has fallen. Therefore, the risk is down. I was like, well, I kind of walked into that one. <laughs> so are, so we are only going to see less inflation because people are expecting there to be less inflation now? Is that that's essentially right. yeah, the, the report, gist of it? Yeah, the report was saying, uh, and it's what we've been kind of saying for a little bit, it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. So quite literally because things have not gone up in price as drastically as everyone has said they thought they would, we're not in that much danger. There were the example they used was like an enchilada place in Arizona, and <laughs> it was a goofy example. They were like, so they were telling me about how the owner said, you know, in 2007, 10, 11, something like about 10 years ago, they said, look, we upped the price of our of our two enchilada meal by 25 cents from eight dollars to eight dollars and 25 cents, and people basically like threw a fit and boycotted us for a month or so. Like it was it was the talk of the town and. I, this has to be a really small town because that, that just seems so irrelevant to me. But they were talking about how now he, was, he said, look, we could move the price from 8 to $13 for a two enchilada meal and nobody would notice. Like it, it just wouldn't be an issue. I think that kind of illustrates the point is people are willing to pay a little bit more because we, we expect those prices to go up a little and they haven't yet. Mm -hmm. And that almost ties in with what we've discussed off air a little bit too, uh, the, the video game market. You mm -hmm. see, we've been paying $60 for 20 years and yeah, I mean, everyone's going to shout and scream and kick whenever it jumps up to $70, but it's, it's bound to happen. You know, at this point you almost expect it to happen. So yeah, I feel like it's a steal whenever I get something for 60 bucks, all inclusive. I'm like, Oh, this is awesome. I don't have to pay over the next two years to enjoy this thing once, like once a month. Cause you know, I work all day, but mm -hmm. uh, it's so funny. I mean, we're so predictable is that we, we pretty much walk ourselves into the same trap every single time where we're just, we have such short memories and a month goes by and it's like, well, that wasn't nearly as bad as I thought. And especially because information travels so fast these days. Yes, it does. Yes, it does. Well, here, since we're on the topic, pick your brain about something a little bit different. Sure. Do you think we're still at risk of seeing a another recession or a depression over the next couple of years as we continue to climb out of COVID? Oh, don't do that to me. I have no idea. <laughs> no, one, no one knows. <laughs> if someone tells you they absolutely know that, they are lying to you or want your money every time. There's, there's, there's no way to know. It's ridiculous. Self-proclaimed economic is claiming that we're going to see a depression here. Yeah. Yeah. yeah they've got a, oh my gosh, the Twitter thing cracks me up. Where people, so now it's all done ironically, but it used to be like, like someone's name, like Pete. And then they put parentheses like advisor. <laughs> the one that cracks me up now is there's a guy named like Captain NASDAQ or something. And after it, he's got parentheses deceitful. <laughs> oh my God. It's the self burn. I love it. I love it. Yeah. That's fantastic. Well, but they're, um, they're talking about replacing Jerome Powell, and that that in its that news in itself, if it did happen, I think would upset a lot of the larger investors, just because people seem to like him so much. <laughs> but who knows? Mm -hmm. Yeah, the only reason I asked is just because I did come across a book the other day, mm -hmm. and uh, I I know we're not a history podcast here, so I'd hate to turn us down a history path. But I'll be quick. We're history fans. I came across enthusiasts. Yep. I, I came across a book called The Fourth Turning that discussed how every 80 years is a cycle. And we are currently in the fourth, and each each 80 years is broken into 20-year increments. And it always starts out with the first 20 years are the best. Everyone's very happy. 
life is free, we expand. Uh, next 20 years um, is called like uh, the awakening and uh, the minds broaden, different points of view come up. The third 20, set of 20 years is called the upheaval where a bunch of you know crazy things begin to happen. Um, there's a little unrest. And then the last 20 years is just crisis where everything goes wrong. And according to this book, I haven't read it yet, but we are currently towards the end of the crisis of our current cycle. So that began in 2008 with the recession, continued on with COVID, uh, the civil unrest in the country. And according to this book in 2028, that will be the end of the crisis period and the new 20 years will begin uh, in, the, in the fun, the first 20 years of the whole cycle, have you. Um, but it was interesting and they had a point because the last crisis period would have taken place during World War II and ended with the end of World War II and began with, you know, the from the 40s to the 60s with the with rock and roll and all those fun memories. And then you had the 60s to the 80s where people's minds were expanding. You had acid, mushroom yeah, trips. Say, the drug-filled era. <laughs> yep. You had the Steve Jobs, the Bill Gates, the invention of computers. Um, and then you had the... Um, it was like, what, 68 to 88, then you had 88 to 2008. And that was whenever, you know, things started to go a little wrong. You had 9-11, you had um, Columbine, the school shootings, everything like that. And then you had 2008 to 2028, all the civil unrest we're seeing, um, all the uh, the COVID, the recession, and all these crises is happening in our world right now. And uh, so we have seven more years left. And obviously, you know, we might see more crises, which is why I asked uh, your, your opinion on whether or not we'd see another recession or depression pop up here before the end of this this cycle. But um, but yeah, uh, I don't know how much I believe in that stuff, but it was just fascinating because you figure 80 years before this, we had World War II, 80 years before that, you had another war, 80 years before that, the Revolutionary War, and the cycle goes on and on. My first reaction is always to just, my cynical self wants to disagree with everything immediately, but... Uh, yeah. All right. So I'm going to, I'm going to put the link to that too, because I kind of want to read it and I want, I want to be convinced, mm -hmm. but uh, 80 years is such a long time. Like think how flipping long 80 years is and how there's just no way that we could, uh, I guess it's long enough that we could talk ourselves into a cycle because we just forget everything. <laughs> exactly. That's what I was thinking. The human memory is so short sighted so um, oh, that I think that's what it means whenever people say history repeats itself. It just, you, we just forget what happened and, and, you know, we make the same mistakes, the same errors. Well, have you ever heard of the, the seven year cycle is what we used to go by. I've heard several people cite that one with like every seven years, there's the market turns and we have that. And they, you know, they quote uh, like 2008 uh, and then they wanted to do it again in like 14. There was a correction or something like that. But I said, I don't really think this holds up. Like people like religiously follow that theory. And it just there's so many holes and gaps that you have to look at it and say, all right, we're looking for patterns or patterns don't exist. That's the problem I have with people who like technical traders, these guys who pull up all these charts and they're like, yeah, we're going to game the stock market and win. Blah, blah, blah. I'm like, you're just not. You're, you, and if you do, you got really lucky. You just, you just mm -hmm. won't, you won't do it. But good luck yeah. if you have. I've never understood people that, you know, claim they can see patterns because the stock market is just so unpredictable. Right. The only way to really know about which way a stock will go is to just read their news and what they have coming out, their earnings reports. And even then you still don't know. I mean, bad news could drop tomorrow and tank the stock. Yeah, it's all human nature. I mean, you can't predict what people are going to do because every time we zig, someone else zags and you're like, oh, well, did not see that coming. Or gosh, how could you predict? Mm -hmm. How could you predict a pandemic? Although, oh, uh, wait, to be fair, so... <laughs> To be fair, <laughs> another mutual friend of ours. 
<laughs> several years ago. It's probably in 2017 or 18. It's a couple years ago. He said something that kind of stuck with me. He was like, he's kind of a kind of a nut job. You'll, you'll probably get where I'm going with this at this point. But he was like, all right, so a super bug is going to happen at some point in the near future because we're all like everyone's on so much medication and uh, the bacteria are just slowly adapting to it and getting a little bit crazier and crazier. And we just have to keep we get to keep producing more medicine to do that and like to keep ourselves alive. So he kind of called that one. All right. So there's my little digression there. But besides that, it's really hard to it's hard to break the future. It's almost impossible. Mm -hmm. There's no way to do it. There really isn't. I mean, you can claim you see patterns and here or there, but but if anything is if, there, if we've learned anything over the past, I don't know, year and a half, there's no way to know what's going to happen tomorrow. Yeah, I would have never guessed that Tesla was going to do a 1.1 billion profit. <laughs> yep, and I, hey, I would have never guessed that Richard Branson would have been in space the other week. Oh my god, yeah, take us, take us a year back from now, and just you could just name a list of all the stuff that's happened in the past year. Oh, I would not believe any of it. All right, let's get into the segment brainstorming because I think you're going to like these. I've come up with a few, and we can obviously do uh, more. The first one I came mm -hmm. up with was IPO no, which is a horrible dad joke, <laughs> like IPO and oh no. So I love when companies launch their IPO and they're so hyped, and you just take a look at it and you're like, oh, this is flawed. Like something's going to go wrong here, and then it does. I love that stuff. So I think, I think anytime we see it, just write it down. We'll bring it. You know, pitch your IPO no of the week. If there is one, I mean, if there isn't, obviously you can't do that. What do you think? Mm -hmm. I love it. So I'm <laughs> sorry, it kind of cut out on my end there for a second. So you were saying anytime you see an initial public offering that you really don't think is going to go well, uh, write it down yeah, and we'll, bring it up. We'll pitch the IPO no's. Like you see something like, like when Lucid came out, I don't know if I count that as an IPO no, because I'm like, oh, this has potential. But, you know, the big, the big fall is they have literally six months to put out a product until everyone's like, okay, well, short this. <laughs> we don't yeah. want to deal with you. <laughs> So, I love it. I'm glad you do. Let's get on it. So we'll do that from now on. It'll be a lot of fun. Uh, the next one I've got is uh, know your audience, which I think is really important. Every time a company does something like really stupid, like do you remember the Burger King ad where I think it was Burger King. So they tweeted out and, and obviously it was well-intentioned. They tweeted out just the tweet just said women belong in the kitchen and you know, mm -hmm. at face value, you're like, that was a dumb thing to say. But you go deeper into it. It was, it was this whole long thread about how, look, we value everyone and we don't want your gender or sex to determine your career choice. We think everyone can do everything or I, I don't know. Their, their message was actually super wholesome. But you had to look at that and you just say that was the wrong thing to put on Twitter. That was stupid. You had to know what was going to happen. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yep. And I do remember that. And I immediately think of another one when uh, Pepsi came out, came out with that commercial of Kylie Jenner breaking up a ride in a third world country with a Pepsi, almost oh, acting like yeah. the white Jesus savior. I remember that. <laughs> I remember that. Yeah. Oh, it was horrible. Oh my gosh. Yeah, that's a perfect, that's an exact perfect moment. I love that. Yeah. Shoot. It was like, you really thought the public was going to like to see Kylie Jen Jenner save all these, uh, these uh, impoverished people and break up rides in this country with a Pepsi. You know, I bet yeah. she thought it was a good idea. Yeah. Did you see the whole, um, okay, we're going to get back on, on topic in just a moment, but did you see the whole Kanye West like living in the, the football theater thing? I did not. What's Kanye West doing? I have no idea. I, I just saw a headline. I didn't look into it. It might have been on Twitter. It may have been on real news, but he's like living in a sports arena wearing like a morph suit and a red jacket until he's done with his music 
I, I don't really know. It's very strange and kind of concerning, actually. <laughs> that that does not, not sound. It <laughs> does like not sound mentally healthy. Insane human would do. <laughs> no, it sounds absolutely horrible. But but it's a shame because I do like Kanye, so I should know that. Well, next up, I like Kanye's older stuff. Right. Some of his newer stuff I have not been crazy about, but I'd say anything after the life of Pablo, I have not enjoyed. So hopefully, this comes. Uh, this comes out and I like it, but we're on, we're on the same page with the music taste, but I think th this is on the opposite side of the know your audience. He knows his audience very well. He knows people are going to eat this stuff up. So he himself is a good businessman, given that, even though he probably has a lot going on up in his head. Who knows? He is a good businessman, especially with his clothing business, which has exploded and people actually pay $500 for a pair of his shoes, which good for him. <laughs> so, you probably, you probably see this too. I love when one of those new shoe drops comes out and they just like the newest one looked like a pair of like dad new balances. They were just horrible. They just looked like the ugly cut your grass shoes and they were a thousand dollars a pair. And somebody, somebody immediately commented under it. Oh no. I was like, they're just, they're just seeing how far you idiots are going to go and pay for this stuff now at this point. I was like, it's true. <laughs> they're literally just seeing how far they can push the envelope. Mm -hmm. And he's going to keep pushing it until uh, until he can anymore. Agreed. The third one I wanted to do, and obviously I'm open to ideas, is I want to do something with fraud. Like every time there's fraud, it's just so fun to talk about because like the diesel gate's my favorite. But I don't have a funny name. I'll come up with a stupid pun for it. Or if you do, I would love that even more. But I, I just think it's really fun. Like when a, when a massive company does something really just stupid like what why like they like they hurt their audience so they do something irresponsible i mean the german car companies have made the same mistake five times within five years and it's hilarious every single year the report comes out and they're like they cheated emissions again here's a we're gonna sue you and slap a two billion dollar fine on you and they're like we promise we won't ever do it again guess who does it again the next year <laughs> same companies cracks me up yeah and they're all owned by like the same two people, which is the funniest part. Yep, that's the uh, that's the one that came to my head immediately as well. Just having studied it so much in uh, in undergrad, I remember looking into it, being a part of the business program, and uh, and uh, yeah, I mean you're not wrong. Every single year they cheat emissions, and every single year they issue the same apology, saying they'll fix their ways and they're committed to reducing their carbon footprint and making the earth green. This may be an old reference, but it always reminds me of the South Park clip where it's the BP oil guy and they're like, it was right after the BP oil spill. And so they, they keep showing the same <laughs> advertisement over the, like, and BP would now like to announce how sorry it is. And it's like, it's like the naked dude on the bearskin rug by the fire. And he goes, I'm sorry. And like, they just do that every single 10 minutes in the show. And it it's like a different scene of him naked on a different bearskin rug. Oh, it's so funny. It's too good because that's exactly how they feel too, you know, whenever they issue this apology. It's like, sorry, and then fingers crossed behind their back hoping, yep. uh, try better next year not to get caught. Had my toes crossed. <laughs> All right, we got to wrap up. Anything else you want to go over? Uh, no, no, I think we hit a, hit a lot here today, and uh, I love the, <laughs> se the segment ideas. I'll try to come up with a name for the fraud segment, and I'll keep my eyes Peeled for an IPO no in the next uh, next couple days. Yeah, this one was a sprint. I, this is the fullest my notebook's been in a while because, you know, you were on vacation and all. But uh, So either mm -hmm. way, you know, I, I won't drill you too much on that. We'll, uh, we'll get that all done. I'm going to have the links up, and it's going to be awesome. And then we're going to try to record one more time this week. Yep. Hey, sounds good. Hey, is it all right if I leave the audience with a quote since I left them with a quote last time? You can do whatever you want, man. It's your show, too. All right.
I'll leave a quote with everyone from Charles Dickens today. I love it. Have a heart that never hardens and a temper that never tires and a touch that never hurts. That is Be so, excellent, my friends. That is, that is so dramatic <laughs> and I love every second of it. <laughs> Try to leave a quote with people every day, every time. I'll find a, a good Steve Jobs one for next time or something. Okay, and I'm going to make like a sarcastic quote, so we'll do that. <laughs> Sounds perfect. I love it. All right. Thanks, everybody. See you next time. Yep. Have a great week.